Okay. Hello everyone, this is uh, John Thornett again from uh, Peak Strategies for the Speaking Pharmacy podcast. So uh, uh, if any of you were lucky enough or unlucky enough, depending on your on what you think, to um, listen to our first episode last week, I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, it was great fun doing it. Now, this week, we're a bit of a, a treat for you all. Now I have uh, uh, Mr. Tom Ma sitting next door to me here from Balfour Ma. Uh, he's a lawyer, he's a very good lawyer, uh, and he's also very good at pharmacy as well, very good at pharmacy. So we're here today to talk to you about buying pharmacy, but getting you into that world of you're looking at a pharmacy, there's one you're interested in, thinking about doing the sale agreement and you think oh now what do I do what we want to do here is get you to stop a little bit and get you to stop and there's some particular things we want you to start addressing now before you get into that sale agreement so let me introduce you this beautiful man Mr. Tom Ma um, from Balfour Ma Tom Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you, John. Thanks for having us. Um, so, first of all, tell me, who who is Tom Ma? Who are you? Well, as far as I know, um, I'm I'm a lawyer. I've been around for 25 years in business and law. I've actually been outside of law uh, for about 10 years, owning my own business myself, running businesses, operations manager. Have a particular interest in technology and pharmacy law. Um, and also I'm a regular public speaker, a bit like you, John, so I've presented over 200 seminars Australia-wide over the years. So I'd like to think I'd like to share information and knowledge in helping people uh, add value and avoid problems and optimise the opportunity. So it's really uh, good to be along today to have a, have a chat with you. And you're, you're, you're a father, you're a husband. I am indeed. I've got a lovely wife, Renee. I've been married over 20 years, two boys, Jet and Cooper. I'm also a keen and passionate surfer um, and mindfulness advocate, so I believe a lot in living life and loving life and, and family, so we all we work to, uh, to live, not live to work, as they say. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Very nice. Yeah, no, surfing, no, not for me, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. So let's get into it. So amongst our audience here, we're going to have a few people who are pharmacists, they're managers, and they're thinking... Yeah, I wouldn't. I'd like to go and buy a pharmacy. Mm. I think there's some opportunities out there, and these people are out there looking. They may have one that they're particularly interested in. Now, sometimes what happens with these is it's right, bang. Let's go and do that sale agreement. Mm. And you and I have both experienced what happens when there's that launch mm. straight into that sale agreement. And um, as you quite often point out, it's um, the worst thing you can do is sign. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very expensive to undo something once you've got a signature on. So a couple of questions I want, want to ask of you here. Sure. So the first thing is, is it's important that they know what exactly they're buying. So if they're buying a business outright, they're buying, buying the whole thing, versus buying a share, mm. like a partnership interest, something like unit holder, shareholder, whatever, yep, partnership yep, interest. Yep. They're all different, aren't they? It's just explain yeah. explain 
how important it is that these guys know what exactly they're taking on, what exactly they're buying. Sure, that really good point, John. Um, look, the only common word in there is the word buy. Uh, apart from that, buying a business, a pharmacy business versus buying a share or partnership or units, equity, uh, very, very different legally, financially, tax-wise, as you would well say. Now, it depends on what you're looking to buy because are you looking to buy a whole business? If you buy a whole business, then you are buying the business. But if you're buying a part of a business, then you're buying an equity component, whether mm. in partnership, share or units. And with that second part, then also you're going to have a business partner, inverted commas, if you can see my fingers doing yeah, that, yeah. is that they will be either your shareholder, a partner, or a unit holder. So there's another whole arrangement occurring because you might not be able to afford to buy the whole business or they may be retiring, selling down. So they want to sell you a bit of the equity in the pharmacy. Yep. You've been a star performer or the like. So that's the first thing is to understand what is actually available for sale. What are you buying? Mm. And at that point, there's no need to have anything in writing. You can have things in, in just simply conversation, some emails. Nothing should be binding. It should be very much subject to getting further information, speaking with you, you know, getting good advice from an accountant. Uh, you speak to me in the end, and I'll get to that later on, but getting some of the key information about the business is the next step. Yep. And I'll maybe yep. hand back to you on yep. that, John. Okay, so if we take... If we take a partnership interest, for example, and quite often for these young guys, their first opportunity is generally a partnership in the pharmacy they're working in. And that's, Correct. for most of them, that's their, their first uh, foray into the, the world of business ownership. So from, from, from our experience with partnership interests, the question of what you're buying then becomes even more critical, doesn't it? Because you're not exactly, if you're buying old business, you're buying stock fixtures, fittings, goodwill, mm. simplistically. Yeah. But in a partnership, it's not necessarily the case, is it? So explain, like in, a, in a partnership case, how the two are very different and what more are you taking on in a partnership situation that you wouldn't ordinarily. Yeah, well, look, again, really good point. And again, we've heard the word buy, but now here's some of the material differences. Like if, you, if you're going to buy a business, you buy the assets. It's very important. You're buying the business and the assets, not the liability. So that's a lot of the risks, a lot of the you know previous history and the like. Whereas when you're buying into a partnership, you're buying the asset, you're buying a portion of the assets and the liabilities. Mm. Now, you might have worked in the business all the time, but that doesn't mean they've shown you all the financials, shown you the lease, shown you all the employee records, yeah. shown you all the compliance and everything like that. You've got to understand what also is involved in owning that business and what has the business done to date. The other thing is it's not uncommon for pharmacies, of course, because they're running large levels of stock, inventory, quite often also sometimes plant and equipment, but they've got to understand what are the liabilities encumbered with? Has there been borrowings from a bank? What are you also getting onto the record there for? Is there a significant, say, guarantee for the lease of the premises? So at this point, this is what we've got to understand is you, you need to know what does the partnership entail and what portion you're getting. Because again, also, when you're buying a partnership, you might be coming in as a minority partner. So maybe it's 20% in the first stake and 80%. Mm. But depending on what structure you use to get in, and we'll chat about that a bit yep. in a moment, yep is also you could be more liable than you actually think or know. Yeah. So it's really important, again, to understand firstly, what am I actually buying yeah. and what am I taking on? So now typically when and we're doing 
like a valuation, for example, that valuation is just encompassing stock fixtures and Phoenix Goodwill. But in a partnership sense, you're not only buying a percentage of those, but you're also inheriting a percentage of the cash at bank, a percentage of your customer debtors, percentage of um, any credit card debt, trade creditors, GST liabilities, um, any equipment, finance, superannuation, knowing pays you go withholding, that's owing. Loyalty um, programs. Yep, you're inheriting actually percentage of everything, can't you? Correct. Yeah, so that's a, quite a fundamental difference and hence why it's very important to understand what is it exactly I'm acquiring, yep. whether buying or inheriting, either way. So quite often uh, these young guys, and they're not necessarily, uh, um, haven't been exposed to many business situations of buying a business. This is the first time, and it's mm. quite a scary thing. Uh, bloody scary, actually. Yeah. Now, before, you know, sometimes I think I go to a broker and I think, yeah, I want to I put an offer on this. I want to mm. ever go buying this one. Mm. And quite often they'll go, mate, there's your sale agreement. It's like, oh, wow, okay, now what do I do? They should, there's actually uh, perhaps a better way of going about it, isn't there, when yeah. you can perhaps slow the process down a little bit yeah. and uh, engage both parties together to actually understand what it is they're buying and how the transaction is to be structured. Yep. So what's some different ways, instead of launching straight into a formal sale agreement, which has got all the terms and conditions, none of which you understand, Correct. is there a better way to go about it so that you're more informed about the process, but you haven't committed to anything? What are the yep. different mechanisms they can go through there? Yeah, really, really good point there, John. And probably just before answering that specifically, you've got to remember who's on your side, who's, who's there to help you, and who's there trying to achieve other things. Now a broker, bless their cotton socks, they're in the business of, of broking and selling business, but they don't act for you. They act for the pharmacy owner yep. or the business owners. Yep. Um, now anyone else you speak to out there, a bank is gonna also be in the business of looking after themselves and so forth. So what you need to do is make sure you've got people on your side, and that's where obviously John and uh, Peak Strategies are exceptionally good at helping you understand all of these things, because they'll be your accounts or your advisors, or if you have your own accounts and so forth, and a lawyer at the right time. So firstly, you've got to also understand who's there to help you and it's not people that are against you but they don't act in your best interest so people say oh hurry up you need to sign this offer you'll lose the opportunity if you don't sign this offer blah blah none of them are giving you advice that's the first point to yes. note so yes. if something goes bad yeah people come back to me and you know you've heard me say this before John but I'll say it today people come to me with these big thick contracts and they've got the franchise and the lease hanging on and they say Tom can you can you review all this and tell me what's wrong and I go sure and I flick to the back of all these times say your signature I said, yes. like you said, John, what we want to do is is slow it down a little bit. Now, you can we can still move fast, but it's getting a basic non-binding but indicative arrangement in place, an understanding that says, look, if all these things are looking right, we'll move to the next stage. It's no different to if you go on a date with someone and, and you know, you're a boy or a girl going with their respect partner and you start talking about kids on the first date. That's all a bit soon normally. <laughs> so this normally is like if, having a courtship before, yeah. you, before you get married. So what <laughs> you have is a heads of agreement, a memorandum of understanding, a term sheet. Basically, it can be an exchange of emails saying, look, subject to me getting finance and subject to me checking with my accountant, subject to due and subject to rent, I'd like to be interested in buying. Let's kick around price. Let's 
But what it is, is it's just getting the framework right. Now, at any point in time, you can either pull out or push forward, but you, you're not bound to proceed into a formal binding contract. So there's no issues at that point if you do a heads of agreement and you say, look, I'm out on that. There is yep. no comeback on that on, on that buyer, is there? That's right. And it's important. And it's not what the title is. This is a real important legal mm. piece of advice. doesn't matter what someone calls it. They call it heads of agreement, terms of agreement, or offer or whatever. It is what it does. All right. So some people see an offer to lease, for example, and they sign oh, offer to lease. Guess what you do when you sign it? You've accepted an offer to lease. You've got a legally binding contract. All right. Yes. So, yes. so it's key to say this is non-binding indicative. All right. We will move to the formal contracts, but we'll talk about that in another session. Mm. Yep. Today is about getting some more information. We want to see the lease. We want to see the financials. We want to understand about any encumbrances, and we want to understand about the specifics of the business. You know, are we dealing with um, sleep apnea? Are we doing age uh, packing? Um, all the aged care packing. Are we wanting to look at the retail arm? We want to understand any of the license and permits mm. and go there. What are our supplier agreements? Now, all of that you can sign a confidentiality agreement. There's no harm in signing a confidentiality agreement if you don't intend to breach it. And guess what? As an employee, you're already bound by one anyway. Yep. So what's the downside? Yep. All right. Yep. So don't fear these, these little steps that are going to lead to it. The other last bit I'll add is quite often when you're in negotiating, if you can imagine one of my hands is higher, the other one's lower. When the buyer, or when the seller is selling, they'll have their price and you'll have your, your mind about what you want to pay. But your level of knowledge is at the lower end. The whole idea at the indicative stage is to try and understand the business more, particularly those liabilities, particularly where those assets, you know, is the lease short term? Is there a competitor coming in? That might yep. affect the price. Yep. So that's why it's important to have these term sheets or heads of agreements yep. first. But it's a great way to go to uh, for both parties to get a, a general understanding of what it is, yep. of what the business is and what the deal can be. Yep. So both parties are not committed, but they get an understanding of how the transaction is going to form. Then once they're happy with that, then they can go to a formal at a later stage. But it's a great way of of uh, having an interim measure, a non-binding interim measure, and just saves that, um, as, as you and I have experienced, saves that sale contract signature and there's all sorts of problems and uh, clauses aren't termed properly or they've ignored certain important clauses or whatever or it's very one-sided agreements as well. It just avoids all these problems later on. Now, what, what, what's, what are the types of things that, um, what are the types of questions and the types of information that a buyer should be asking for? For example, there's all sorts of terms that they would hear like about Settlement timeframes, lease agreements, nursing home contracts. There could be a, a Australia Post agency, a lotto agency, yep. um, uh, employee leave entitlements, uh, due diligence and settlement finance periods and all this stuff. What, uh, what are some of the, the, the critical things that they should be asking for now at this stage prior to, prior to putting in an offer? Yep, look, a really good point again. And remember, almost always they're going to be looking to get finance to do this. And and the other thing is you're going to want to have make, you're going to have other masters when you go into buying a pharmacy business. It's sure you're going to be the owner, but also you're going to have a bank sitting over there. Of course, you've got your pharmacy board, but you've also got the lessor and all these parties. Now, what we want to do is make sure that we get this information from them at the right time at the preliminary stage. Now, 
giving a copy of the lease, giving a copy of the financials, giving a copy of all the lotto agency and any of those other existing contracts, employee details, that shouldn't cost them anything, all right? That's information that should be made. So at that stage, you don't need to pay a deposit, you don't need to do anything. Again, it can all be under the heads of agreement. Now, if that's all looking right and you're going, oh, now, and I think at this point, you'll also probably need some advice. You'll definitely need to be speaking to your accountant about understanding how the figures work and doing the due diligence. But that's, that's gonna come in the contract. But at the first stage, you wanna see if there's anything in there you don't really agree with or don't fully understand from what you were told versus what's written down. Because God remember, at the end of the day, you can say what you like amongst each other, but it's what's in writing or what's not in writing what you thought, and we don't want to have problems. We want to have yep. certainty. Yep. It's all about clarity and yep. handshakes, good faith, and a fair deal that everyone's transparently understood. Yep. So um, there's lots of parts here that we're going to cover in future podcasts, particularly the, the, the due diligence phase um, and the actual sale agreement itself. Um, so um, so aside from those, I mean, there's also the process of Medicare approvals and pharmacy board approvals. and You've got all these, you know, there's actually a bit there. What do these people do at this stage? Because they're not necessarily business savvy, yeah. are they? They are, um, you know, these are, um, uh, you know, guys who have, have worked as, trained as pharmacists and are very good at what they do, but this is now the world of business and finance and legals and accounting and everything like that. And so, you know, it's, it's it should, what should they be doing? There's, they're, they're coming to the, the accountant at this stage or going to advisors, what should they be doing? Because it's not necessarily that they can ask all the right questions or know what to ask for. Yeah. Is this the point they start recruiting some help? Yeah, well, definitely, you, 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 because you don't sort of wait and say, oh, I'll get everything in place and then I'll go and see the accountant or get everything in place. Quite often you get a little bit of information or assistance. You you bring on board and you talk to your accountant and you say, look, I need some help, John. I'm, I'm thinking of doing this. Great, great. Okay, heads up. Well, these are a few tips and tricks. And talk to a lawyer. You know, okay, I'm going to be making an offer. I'm looking to do it. You've heard these things today so you can utilise it. But the, the other thing is with the settlement date on the other end of the spectrum, at some point you want to buy and in your mind you're going, great. I really want to get this before Christmas or something like that. Yeah. Now, like like you've rightly said there, John, but the, and I, I also alluded to is other masters. You and the, and the seller uh, might have it in your mind that you want to do this before Christmas, but you've got to remember you've got to get your bank finance approved and unconditional. You've got to make sure the lessor approves you to come in on that partnership interest and go on there with the guarantee and all that. And of course, the pharmacy board itself must approve you coming in as well. Now, the other thing is, um, and I'll get back to settlement date because I think that's really important, is also your structure to buy in has to be correct. Now, when you do an indicative offer or heads of agreement, you haven't yet had to set up your trust or your company or whatever you're doing. Now, these aren't things you buy off the shelf. These are very specialised pharmacy uh, trading yes. entities. Yep. And, and again, yep. if you don't get that right, and you sign a contract in your own name or the wrong structure, and you go all the way through to settlement, all of a sudden the pharmacy board says that doesn't comply, you're gonna have a major problem, delays and costs. So you've got to understand when to get your structures in place. So again, the term sheet could be, you know, because it's non-binding and it's indicative, you don't yet have to get it done, but before you go to formal contract, you certainly are gonna to wanna to get it done. The other thing is with settlement date, people pick a date and they say, I want it done by the 24th of December. And we go, that's wonderful, okay. Well, why don't we be a little bit more realistic and say, why don't we have that date in there, but say it'll be on the later of the 24th of December or when the last of the conditions have been met. 
All right, so you're satisfied with your due diligence, the lessor's approved you, the farm or the financiers approved you, and the pharmacy board's approved you, along with any other key suppliers, and maybe the key manager in there. You you might be a good pharmacist, but you've also got a really good retail manager in there or someone helping you a good staff. And you said, well, I'm not gonna do this by myself. So maybe if they are buying a business outright, yep. they, they need to make sure the help's coming along. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, she's going, oh, well, this is gonna be my first foray into it. And I'm, I'm a good pharmacist and I like customer service, but I, I need my team. I need the team with me because, you know, uh, Bob's retiring and I'm confident I can do it, but I can only do it if all my key people come along with me as yep, well. Yep. So there's people issues there yep, as well. Yep. Now you mentioned before, uh, legal structures now what's wrong with saying oh, oh look i've got to get something set up and i'm not sure what i need a company of trust and i don't really understand it and i need to go to the accounts it's going to take too long look i'll just do this in my name and then we can just fix it up afterwards mm. so as a lawyer you're screaming you're screaming in your chair at the moment and you're not liking it what's the problem with yep. doing that um, in Western Australia particularly, but I think also the rest of Australia has very similar legislation, is what happens is, because uh, a lot of the states and territories are running out of money, they try and raise it with a thing called stamp duty or transfer yes. duty here. Yes. And what can happen when you buy a business and buy an interest in a business, um, except shares, and it's a different matter, you can face what's called duty, or you'll have this transfer duty assessment. But if you have one contract in one name, and then you change the name of the party subsequently, i.e. you put in your, your buyer entity, your actual one, then you can face double duty, which mm. means you can be paying tens of thousands or more. Because sometimes they put, um, yeah, yeah, Bob Jones and or nominee sometimes, yes. don't they? Yeah, it's a fiction. It does not, they won't accept it anymore. That's why the only time you can even contemplate that is, as I said, in a non-binding indicative term sheet, which is not a legally enforceable contract and it's not assessable. You really want to be saying subject to all these things and this will only be in the form of a final contract, all right? So that's the important point. So some people say, oh, look, if you're looking at the lease and you're looking at the financials, and, and you're looking at the key supplier arrangements and any other things, and you can say, look, I don't want to proceed, that's fine. That's just looking at that information. But once you start to go to contract, that's when it's important to understand about getting the entity right. And that's when you do need to spend the money, whether you are or are not going ahead with the deal. It's yep. just the cost of doing business. You're gonna spend thousands and thousands of dollars anyway in making sure you get it right to go into it. Um, so getting that structure right, and it has to be a compliant structure yes. for the pharmacy board. If it's not compliant, you've got all sorts of it's problems. It's got to be pharmacized to, to give it the term. So to avoid, because uh, there is the potential there for a double hit of stamp duty, isn't mm, there, if you, if you go and change the names of sale contracts later on. So to avoid all that, you really have to have your backyard tidy and ready to go, don't you? Correct. So you've got to have your, 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 your legal um, structures in place set up that are pharmacized. Yep and ready to go early. Yep. And sometimes the time to do that is not the time in which you need to move quickly. Because mm -hmm. yeah, things can be rushed and sometimes things can be done, but you're actually better off to say, look, within the next couple of years, or sometimes this year, I'm gonna go buy a pharmacy. It might actually be better to get it organized early so when an opportunity comes, bang, you're ready to go. Yep. And not just rush everything at the last minute because there's a lot going on at that time. Correct. From the time you start looking to when you get serious from a uh, term sheet and memorandum of understanding, heads of agreement through to the sale agreement, it's on. 
Yep. And it's a very busy phase. Yep. And the more you can do beforehand, then the better off you are. Correct. Now, interesting, um, you have uh, lots of brands, don't we? We have, um, not picking any out, but you have your price lines or Amcals, Guardians, Terry Whites, whatever. Yep. Okay. And they uh, will take in the concept of a franchise arrangement, aren't they? Yeah. Now, if a business is up for sale, that part of one of these branding franchise groups, uh, there's a generally a franchise agreement attached to that. Now, there's some, something in particular there that a buyer needs to know about that can has the potential to undo everything, isn't there? Let's go through that. What, 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 are we, what, what are we looking at there? Yeah, so one of the benefits of buying into those, of course, is you've got this buying horsepower, the marketing and the, the, the brand recognition out there. But on the flip side, you've also entered into another master situ situation where you've got a franchisor. So the seller is a franchisee of a pharmacy and that seller actually under their franchise agreement, amongst many things, uh, has what's called a, uh, a first right of refusal must be offered back to the franchisor whether they wish to buy that business, that franchise business. So you as the buyer don't get first dibs at it. The actual franchisor has the first right to potentially buy that franchise business. So that must be waived, W-A-I-V-E. Yes. Waived. Not as a surf. <laughs> no, no, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> right that way. But the important thing is it must be formally waived by the franchisor. Now, most times, but I'm not saying in that particular instance it will occur, it does get waived. But as long as that's been say, subject to the franchisor not exercising their first rights refusal, I agree to sell to you buyer away you go so that's that's important um the other thing is with the franchise brands is also there's all sorts of things with the franchise agreement so just like we said about the lease then you also need to look at the franchise agreement very closely and not their one the one that you'll be offered there because there's all sorts of things about the site and the territory uh the branding and as john you, you'd well know with franchises they, they're great things and they can be very very useful but they can also be very expensive for a pharmacist as well yeah because if they go through a rebrand and a new logo and livery you could be you could be in your business going well and the pharmacy's trading well all of a sudden you you're forced to do a fit out and a rebranding and that can be tens or hundreds of thousands yes. of dollars potentially yeah. so again the due diligence on that but we'll spend more time but Buying a franchised pharmacy, uh, lots of benefits to it, but lots more attributes to it. So unfortunately, it's one of the most complex areas is buying a, a retail franchise, pharmacy franchise with a lease under a purchase agreement with, with a, uh, a partnership interest subject to finance. I mean, you could not think of more complexity as a, as a business lawyer and advisor. You know, when you go and say, what's a complex arrangement doing that? is complex so don't think it's you you know the far prospective pharmacist it's not you getting anything wrong it's just complex because of the myriad of issues that yeah. that confront you but it's not insurmountable yeah. it's like climbing everest lots of people do it it's just you don't run up it at first go <laughs> yes right you get the right, yes. right right team behind you and you do your, your practice and your research and then you can have a successful ascent yeah yeah so important thing here for for, for these young guys who are about to have their first crack at buying a pharmacy Number one, don't rush it. You may be under pressure to rush from the seller or from the agent, the broker or whoever, but um, don't get uh, emotionally wrapped up in the process. Uh, take a step back and make sure that you get the right information you need to make a proper decision now.
the worst thing you can do is to sign and then ask questions. Yeah, Correct. ask your questions first. So get your legal structures in place early. Uh, go see your accountant and your lawyer. Get the advice on what information you should be asking for. Mm -hmm. um, understand what process you should be going through, what critical information you should be asking for, lease agreements, franchise agreements, nursing home contracts, um, where there's a lotto, Australia Post, whatever, um, getting all the agreements, understanding exactly what you're buying, yeah. and um, having a making sure you're properly fully informed, isn't it, before yeah. you go in. And, uh, you know, be prepared to pull away too. You, you don't have to do it. Yeah. Be that, prepared to pull out and say no. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. It's okay to say no. It's okay to regroup and people throw their arms in the air and oh, that's all too, and then come back at it again. You'll be surprised how much it's, it's a good. Everyone's been to Bali or something like that and done bartering before. Buying a business is a form of <laughs> highly specialised form of bartering. It's okay. There's a, you know the the seller wants a price and you want a price, but there's terms and things. So that's exactly right. It's it's you'll get there, but the trick is to make sure you're doing it in in controlled steps. You're the buyer. Okay, and you keep control up until a point, and then the contract takes over, but we'll talk more about that. All of these things we've talked today are so important to be able to protect and add value and optimize the opportunities yep. in this exciting. And this is all about um, reducing risk, yep. making sure you're making the right fully informed decision, reducing risk, but also saving yourself some money from mm. fixing up stuff ups later on, which can be very expensive and time consuming to, to, to deal with. So, okay, they want to get in touch with you to get some help from the legal perspective. Uh, where do they go? How do they find out? How do they get in contact with Tom Ma? Sure. Um, if you Google uh, Tom Ma, Balfour Ma, B-A-L-F-O-U-R-M-E-A-G-H-E-R, or bmlegaladvisors.com.au. But um, just be in touch with John Peak Strategies. They're excellent operators. I'm always saying make sure you talk to John first in the first instance, and John and I are working as a team to support you. We'd be delighted to have a quick chat over the phone, give some tips and uh, tricks specific to that particular finance franchise uh, and pharmacy opportunity and then uh, see how we can help going forward from there yep okay so um thank you Connie. thank you for your time and uh we'll definitely have you back uh when you're back we will cover the sale agreement process and go through uh some of the key parts of the sale agreement and things you need to know about there uh before you actually go sign stuff so you know what to include, what are the important uh, components of that sale agreement and we'll be covering that process next. So get a little bit more informed uh, before you go buy your first pharmacy. So thank you very much everyone. I hope you enjoyed all that. I hope there's a little bit of something there that uh, you're a little bit more informed on and um, we will uh, speak with you soon. Uh, thank you for your time. Thanks a lot. So leave us a review. If you uh, like what you're hearing, uh, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Also, um, love for you to subscribe as well and uh, stay tuned for uh, all the future Speaking Pharmacy podcasts coming up. So uh, love to hear from you and love to, to connect as well. Uh, let us know what you think, okay? Bye.